Hello, good morning. This is Nicole Leemaster on Coleology. Thank you for joining me. Today I have Steve Hoskinson on the phone with me. Good morning. Steve. Hey, good morning, Nicole. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Steve My is pleasure. has an MA, MAT, and is the founder, CEO, and Chief Compassion Officer of Organic Intelligence and the 501c3 nonprofit Organic Intelligence Outreach Institute. Steve has created the Human Empowerment and Resiliency, Resiliency Training, Heart Training, based on organic intelligence, which is a positive psychology fractal method known for its implicit exposure approach in treatment. Since 1999, Steve has mentored and trained thousands of professionals in North America, Europe, Asia, and Middle East in the art of ethical and compassionate treatment for trauma. As a leader in somatic psychology fields, Steve and was a professional training facility faculty. Oh my gosh, everybody who's part of my journey knows that this is the worst. I am dyslexic and I apologize. You're rocking. You're rocking it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for your support. Okay, where was I? Um, He's trained in the Middle East in the art of ethical and compassionate treatment for trauma. As a leader in somatic psychology field, Steve was a professional training faculty for Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute for 17 years, and in addition to his own OI work, is also an adjunct faculty for JFK University Somatic Psychology Program. Steve is a founding member of the North California, Northern California Society of Integral Mental Health and the International Transformative, Transformational Resilience Coalition. I am like struggling this morning. I am so sorry. It's a, it's a zillion big word. It's, uh, it's People could just go to the website. Uh, you know, uh, 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 uh. You, no, you know what, Steve? Like, actually, this one compared to like the person I just did from Duke. Like, this one's easy, and, like, for some reason, and I think it has something to do with, like, you being one of my major influences. Like, I can feel, like, my cheeks are, like, so red. I feel like, oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. International Transform- Transformational Resilience Coalition. He also serves on the Global Training and Education Council for Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute and hosts the upcoming podcast series, the end of trauma. The end of reading. <laughs> hey, the end of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for um, suffering through that with me this morning. And no suffering involved. I mean, it, it, I mean, on our part, I mean, you, you had, uh, you know, some, but the rest of us were just <laughs> cheering you on. <laughs> wow, that was hard for me this morning. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this. And some mornings I'm like, nope, this was... This was epic failure. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you say, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a, you know, we have some relationship and some, you know, history in terms of me being a teacher with you and so on. So, you know, there's a, it's, uh, there are many streams coming into this moment. Yeah, that's true. And I'm so happy you're here. I am so happy. And I wanted to hear, so are you, you are or aren't teaching somatic experiencing anymore? No, I'm not. Uh, and uh, that ended almost two years ago, actually. Uh, and I had begun uh, creating organic intelligence. Uh, and and all the while, really, as I was teaching, I was trying to communicate some different ideas about how we need to think about, uh, understand, and, and treat tr- uh, trauma. 
and a lot of that you got uh, with me as we were training, but that uh, what you got was not what was the standard sort of somatic experience in curriculum, you know, and so, you know, <laughs> you would notice in class that, uh, that for instance, I might say, you know, be sure to read through the manual. It has some really helpful supplemental material, but it had nothing uh, <laughs> in it that was related to what you're getting in class. And so eventually the Institute, uh, I, I, I thought that eventually the Institute uh, became discouraged about that uh, and, uh, and wanted me to teach more of what was in the manual. Uh, but uh, in the end, I think, um, you know, they have kept my videos uh, as the model videos, uh, which I have to talk to them about, and they've, they've kept my endorsements and so on. And, um, and so in the end, I, I don't know, maybe they just wanted to keep my material without having to, you know, credit me or something. I, it's hard to know. Uh, but in any case, uh, we've had a, a peaceful parting of ways. Uh, and uh, and I have gone on then to try to communicate to the larger field of therapy and trauma therapy in particular about how we need to really shift our perspective. We need a paradigm shift in the way that we're thinking about what trauma is. Because trauma, you know, somatic experiencing will, for instance, say, oh, trauma is not, you know, in the event, it's in the nervous system, and it is. Uh, but, uh, but in effect, uh, I would take that just another step forward, which says, you know, there there really is no trauma. That is, trauma itself, I think, is a misnomer. And what we need to look at much more direct of, directly is a whole a holistic approach, a holistic perspective, and a systems understanding of how people's suffering happens and and what it is. And for me, that what it is, what what people's suffering is about is really about the way that the, the biology, the neurophysiology becomes uh, inefficient or desynchronized, really. The, the name of the game for me and what, what I can do with folks is train them to see the way that a client's biology is desynchronized or working inefficiently and, and to see this other thing. Uh, you know, somatic experiencing would be to say, okay, now you do interoception. So you'll see articles from Peter and others who are saying, okay, track the body, sense the body. Um, and that's somatic experiencing, sensing uh, somatic experience. Um, but uh, what I found out over time is that that interoception or that inward awareness to sensation is just as likely to increase the disorganization as increase organization. And so we had to, I had to sort out when does, what tool do you need to be able to get the system to self-organize or to encourage that self-organization? And that really was the key opening. That is, I began to understand that the biology, of course, is self-organizing, but we were missing the signs of that self-organization, the signs that needed support because everybody is focused, one, on the trauma, two, on, say, sensation, or three, on emotion, or four, on cognition. We don't know which of the channels, the body, the system, the psyche, the, the, the organization, is going to present its organizing information. 
it can come through sensation, it can come through, um, you know, image, it can come through feeling or affect, it can come through cognition. But I have to be ready to see what channel is carrying the information that the biology needs in order to support its self-organizational trend. And so that's, that's really uh, how I began to uh, bring in these ideas of self-organization. This is from complexity science. Uh, and uh, not only self-organization, but really the notion that what we need to do as helpers is simply provide adept following and strategic reinforcement once you get a system stabilized. So it's a stabilization model, and it's then really riding on nature. It's really, it's really on the coattails of nature that wants to reorganize a system. And I, I came out of like pretty much orthodox psycho, psychology, uh, starting with uh, psychodynamic approaches, object relations, and then moved toward a more systems approach and working with children and then in families, and then looking at the nature of consciousness and state changes through, uh, say, the Ericksonian hypnotherapy approach and the strategic uh, family therapy approach and other systems approaches. So organic intelligence is a thoroughgoing systems approach. It's not, as most people suppose, it's not primarily a somatic approach. It's an approach that affects the neurophysiology, but it it does that by this, uh, this natural engagement that really just just catalyzes the way that the system wants to heal itself. And so it's, it's really empowering for clients that way because ultimately their inner system, that which they are largely unconscious of, is actually trying to support them all the time. And our job as clinicians and as clients is simply to find a way to accept that support. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like you always do, you say like so much valuable information. <laughs> so, so, so now this is on a recording, so people can just hit rewind right now, take notes, then go, okay, I got the first sentence, hit rewind again, take notes again. So, uh, so I should say, okay, so all of uh, much of this is going to be in, in my blog. You know, there's organicintelligence.org. Um, you can see an example of this on the Jada video, J-A-D-A, the jadavideo.com. So there's a ton of resources available for people to get this and, uh, and free resources on YouTube. We've got a zillion, you know, social media channels and all this. So um, I, I guess I have like some discerning questions for myself, first and foremost, because people I went through the cohort with, um, the SE cohort, we were like, oh, okay. So what part is exactly organic intelligence and what part was SE? And I think from what you just said, what I'm gathering is the system, the system approach is more the organic intelligence. And then like the, so I also got to see a, I got to be in a demo with Peter, but I, I also got to see a demo um, for one of his trainings. And um, he he does, like, he'll go right into the red. And somehow, I mean, whatever his ability, um, it was able to come out very blue. But uh, as, a cl- as me, as a new clinician, I would have never even touched what he did um, because I would have been way afraid of, like, sending somebody in overwhelm. But somehow he was able to, like 
So I'm, I'm gathering organic intelligence is also uh, teaching the skills of being able to figure out what the safest route to reinforce the system is versus what SE is. Is that correct? Am I? Well, for sure. I mean, um, that's right. And uh, uh, the, the main, the main, um, one of the main ideas from organic intelligence is is really from again complexity science and and so you learned i think with me like this three phase model so there are these distinct phases that complex systems operate in and then transition between so the it's called phase one, phase two, phase three, and the and the the chaos phase is a system is a phase in which the system is operating and has you know some stability in a kind of uh, disorganizational pattern, so behaviors and thoughts and sensations. The more that they're attended to in that state, they're going to largely just reinforce that disorganization. Yeah, uh, and and so one has to know when a state is when a, a system is in that state because you have to behave very particularly in that you can't just you know try to resource a client or something because if you try to impose order on that system it'll behave right as long as the person can focus their attention and you know keep their thoughts in order but as soon as they they can no longer make that effort, the system just goes back to being what it was, which is the same level of disorganization. So it feels good for a time, but then nobody can keep up that constant effort of trying to keep themselves under control. And then when they lose that effort, the system just reverts back to its its state of disorganization. But in the midst of that, there will be moments of elements from the neurobiology that are going to be signals towards self-organization. And so I train people to see those subtle signals. Uh, sometimes, you know, it could be that slight breath, or it could be a skin coloration change. It could be a shift in muscle tone. It could be a shift in the tone of voice. It could be the direction that the person is looking. There's a whole host of things that I train folks to see that if they are reinforced and reinforced um, strategically and, and at the right time, it will over time build into a new phase of organization. The system will stop disorganizing itself to the same extent and begin to organize itself in a new way. And that really then leads to the second stage, which is a complex phase. Uh, and, it, and it is a phase, however, in which a person can begin to act on their own behalf more and can and can and need to more strategically uh, reinforce for themselves the very things that are more organizing for themselves. So you've already mentioned like blue and red, uh, but the other thing that really is not in uh, the tradition that we were talking about, SE is orientation as connecting to the environment through the senses. That like, So that's organic intelligence. Right, right. Like, okay, um, that's what yeah, that, exactly. that's what I that's what I thought. That we were talking about that the other day, but we weren't sure. Yep, that's right. Because that 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 connecting to the environment through the senses is counterintuitive. Like I just I just mentioned, somatic experiencing, for instance, is about somatic experiencing, sensing inside into the sensation. That has a role, but the first step actually is to attend outside, mm-hmm. uh, and that's. That's really that's exactly not interoception, and it's and it's 
counterintuitive for many of us who are trained as therapists because we usually think, oh, I've got to get the person in touch with their emotions or they need to become aware of their thought patterns, you know, their, their appraisals. You know, in cognitive therapy, you know, we're, we're working in that. Uh, in, in all kinds of other therapies, we're tracking, you know, insight and emotion and so on. Uh, but in terms of priming the neurobiology for greater stabilization, what we need to start with is actually bringing the attention into the exterior environment. Uh, because we have this, what chaos theory was, would call a strange attractor to what's wrong and what I call the what's wrong attention. And so the what's wrong attention means that the, the attention of the individual, of all of us, is like drawn toward what the problem is or what's wrong. Yeah, and, and yeah. That just, makes that bigger and stronger. You know, you're driving on the freeway and there's a backup and what it, you know, for three miles we're going, wow, there must be a really terrible accident. And somebody has pulled over, you know, because they have a flat tire or something. But everybody is drawn to look and see, oh, what's the deal? What's <laughs> right. happening? You know, right. like what's wrong? Right. And that happens on the freeway, but it happens everywhere all the time. And so we, much of the protocol of stabilization from organic intelligence is based on that understanding. And and uh, so we really build in orientation as connecting to the environment through the senses as an exercise. And, and uh, Nicole, maybe that would be something that we could actually include in this uh, podcast was we, we could just do also an experiment, uh, an exercise uh, like that together if you wanted to. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I'm, I should have done it right before I did the reading. <laughs> you know, one of the great things about uh, organic intelligence is that it's a mindfulness approach which says every moment is a moment where we can start over. Yeah. Right. And right. there's, there's only right now. And so orientation is one of the things that really reminds us. It's like, Oh, Hey, I'm right in this place and right now. And, and that's really part of the value of it because it gives our brainstem a chance to do this, uh, what, what Borges would call this neuroception, this, uh, this perception of the environment, which then says to the brainstem, Hey, you're right here. There's, there's no tiger in the room. You know, you're safe. It's, fine you're good yeah and it's uh, and it's amazing like I do that I do it with most of my clients and I do it for myself and it's like you do it's it shifts it shifts something always every time Right, it's so simple, but it's like magic. And, and really, the, the thing that is most surprising to people is just how helpful that simple exercise is of just kind of bringing the attention into the environment. Just And many times, uh, it's helpful for people to just name what they see. So uh, we're trying to, to see, hear, or, you know, like feel the, the texture of something or the tactile sense. We're trying to contact the environment to see how the con- how the environment, how the world about me is actually registering in my brain in this moment. And so, um, for most people, that's often visual, right? And so, uh, when I'm asking somebody to uh, let their eyes go around the room, many times it's helpful for people just to name. Like right now, I go, okay, I see palm tree, I see the cement, I see this uh, white wall with the texture on it, right? I'm just naming the simple things that are in my environment. And that itself just has a tremendous effect because it, it brings the person back into here and now and into a moment where the brainstem gets to register. It's like, oh, there are no threats. 
no reason then to run the programs of bite or flight or freeze. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it works every time. Like right now, I, I think I've been running a program since I read. I was like, ah. <laughs> and like, yeah. and now I'm sitting around and I'm looking around my room and um, I'm in my little living room and my whole entire little in-law is Isaac's art gallery. So <laughs> I'm looking at all of his artwork and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I love him. So like these feelings of love and joy and like warmth and uh, yeah, so it works. Yeah, and it's like magic, actually. It's this like secret, little secret. <laughs> but, it, but it is so challenging because we've been told and for trauma therapy or for therapy in general, okay, you know, really track your experience, track your inner world, track your sensation, feel your feelings, be aware of your thoughts and so on. But in the context of a system that is, say, phase one, disorganized, then each system that is stable like that is self-reinforcing. Mm. So the attention will be drawn toward the elements of the experience that simply maintain that level of disorganization right. or that level of organization. So we've got to do something different in that way. And, and it's a really simple exercise that primes for orientation or what, again, Porges would call the ventral vagal system. It primes for this engagement process. And can I ask you, um, I've been playing around with... Uh I just referred to earlier the person that I had on that was from Duke, and he did a thesis around eating and food and taste and smell. And I was wondering, out of curiosity, um, because we didn't really touch on that a lot, like the, I mean, we did like communal events where we were eating, and so we were kind of eating and smelling together, but during your demos or your teachings, um, when a smell came up, we weren't really going into that. And I was wondering if there was, like, um, a reason why you um, choose to do that or if it was just it happened to be that way. Like, what, what, did it, what is it around smell? Yep, yep. There are there's several things about that. Um, we're, I, I preference the visual thing because humans just – uh, have so the, there's a disproportionate amount of the neurophysiology and sensory in the sensory world that's devoted to the visual sense for humans. So the instruction from organic intelligence is uh, just let your eyes go about the room. Just let your eyes free to explore, right? Uh, which, which, by the way, is different than look around the room. Those are for one sure. is an effort, one is an allowing, but. Uh, the, the preference for the visual field then is, excuse me, is because, one, we have so much interest uh, from our evolutionary standpoint in the visual field. Uh, but the, the other thing is that the visual field, sorry, okay? the visual field is, um, is creates this this other object. It creates this opportunity for a subject-object relationship. So I'm over here, and and I'm sitting in my uh, sort of meditation area. But I can see into the kitchen, and there's the refrigerator, and there's you know Jada pictures up there and stuff, friends pictures, 
Um, and so I, I'm here, and that refrigerator is over there. It creates a relationship. Mm. So it's, it's me over here and fridge over there. And there's distance, right? And the visual field is really good at that. And, and, uh, and one of the, the blog articles that I wrote is like the uh, recovering, like the right to projection. And, and what, what that means oh. is we <laughs> get to have the subject-object relationship, either with material reality out there or the way that I superimpose something of my inner world on that, uh, on that objective reality. Orientation means uh, I'm just contacting that neutral objective reality. All right, fridge is white. It's got these, uh, these words on it that you can make sentences, you know, those little magnets that you can uh, move around and make sentences, uh, <clears throat> one of which is a hip-hop set and the other is a, like, fashion <laughs> set, which makes some really great combinations. Uh, the, uh, uh, but the uh, but just the seeing, okay, fridge, the way the light bounces off of that, that's really just orientation. But then there is this projective process by which my system organically, intelligently projects <laughs> onto that so that I see Jada up there with her soccer ball, and that kind of pops a little bit for me. As I look there, I see... I see the words, I see the calendar, but I see Jada up there with her blue soccer uniform, soccer ball under her arm, you know, and it's like, oh, look at that. My system is saying, hey, you know, yeah, you got the fridge, but look, there's Jada, and there is special significance to that. And that's what we would call one of the elements that would help organize my system. That's blue, right? Right. Like when you around your, your area there, you see all these paintings, and you can see the quality of texture, light, shading, you know, the design, the framing, and all of that. You can see the wood. You can see, you know, all of those physical elements. That's orientation. But then we take this next step and go, oh, that's such a beautiful thing, or I like that so much. And then that's the psyche superimposing this other important to your psyche. It's like, here, here, Coley, take, take this gift. It's so, it's wrapped and beautiful, and, and I want you to enjoy that. And so the, the mantra uh, of organic intelligence is uh, the job is enjoyment. I was watching a, um, a, uh, a video, I think it was with uh, Sharon Salzberg and another meditation teacher, and the other meditation teacher was saying, wow, you know, we have a really difficult job because we are trying to get people to be mindful of and sit with the difficult parts of their experience. And, and my thought was, wow, you think you have a difficult job. Try getting people to sit with the pleasure. <laughs> people love their suffering, love their, love their difficulties. They don't love it really. It's just an addiction. It's an addiction. It's the, you know, the addiction to yeah. what's wrong, the addiction to what, we, what I call red. Um, and all the time... The biology, the neurology, the, our organic intelligence, you know, this, the psyche is trying to bring us something else and we just miss it because we're so primed for and habitually looking at what's wrong. So, so I have a few things I want to like ask. Okay. Yep. So, um, A, addict, addicted to red. I'm, I'm more thinking like, I don't know like from an experiential place, because I really have been sitting with this since I've trained with you. Like, isn't it addiction or is it like more like um, there's comfort in it because it's what your system knows best. So it just kind of like preferences it, right? Like, 
what what would you say about that? And before I lose um, my thought, I also wanted to know, you were talking about orientation and then the actual like textures and colors and shapes, right? And then you go into the super um, imposed projection, right? And what would you say about the differentiation of like, one who can actually orient and like sit with the colors and the textures and the shapes and one who like directly starts um, projecting. And, and, and I'm, and I'm just wondering if that says anything about like uh, the work in the world that you need to do at that, at those moments. And like, and then the deeper question of like, I mean, our, like, I'm, I've been really sitting with this uh, with my meditation and my work of, like, how often are we not projecting? Right, right. Well, that's really key. You know, um, what, what, I, uh, what I try to um, help people to experience is that there are times when there is natural orientation happening. Right, so your client is sitting there, and then they go, "Oh, I got distracted. I saw that uh, that hummingbird outside." And you go, "Right, right. Let yourself be distracted. That hummingbird. Yes, you know, <laughs> follow the natural attention because it's trying to give you a break, mm, right? And so just yeah. see that hummingbird and see the quality. Um, and this is this is really the, the the way that that organic intelligence is is married to a mindfulness foundation. You know, there's a there is a, a Zen Roshi, a Zen teacher here in San Diego, at San Diego Zen Center, uh, who uh, Charlotte Joko Beck uh, Sensei, who uh, wrote this book, Nothing Special. <laughs> Nothing Special. That's that's the absence of this superimposing of either red or blue. Either I like it or I don't like it. It's really a challenge because our once our systems get jacked up. They stay jacked up. They stay disorganized. They stay in their fight, flight, freeze uh, modes, and then, and then the whole approach avoidance uh, assessment becomes life saving or of of survival value. So I've got to say, is that red or is that blue? Is that good? Is that bad? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Right, and that becomes the topic in the context of survival. Like, okay, am I going to come toward this because it's really important? Should I approach it or should I, do I need to stay away? Mm-hmm. That whole context of a nervous system that is being disorganized by its emergency measures of fight, flight, or freeze, then really tend to do that polarized position. Uh, do I like it? Do I not like it? Is it red? Is it blue? Mm-hmm. And so to exit that, we do orientation. That is, we try to see, oh, yeah, it's a refrigerator. <laughs> Nothing special. It's white, and it's got pictures on it, and it, the light gleams off of it in a certain way, and I can see the texture and the way that the paper is folded over. You know, it's just a refrigerator. But uh, for a system that is in that polarized position, jacked up by the what's wrong attention, jacked up by, you know, the arousal, then it's like, okay, ooh, Jada, Jada uh, picture. Ooh, I remember the time that she got hit in the head. and Oh, that reminds me of when I got hit in the head. Oh, then I went to the hospital. And then it was a doctor, and then there were stitches. And off to the red races. Right. So, and and that, that is both an addiction. So to get to your first question, that's both an addiction 
it happens, and it happens unconsciously. People are unaware of it, which is why we need help from somebody else and why we need orientation. Right. And, uh, and it is also comforting because it's what I'm used to. Uh, it's, you know, I'm well habituated to that. It's a habit or an addiction. That's, that's the same way. Yeah, I guess and what right. Makes, mm-hmm. okay. And what makes it an addiction, what makes, you know, like I've trained uh, therapists at many addiction centers like uh, the Meadows, uh, Sierra Tucson, and other major, major addiction centers because organic intelligence is this addiction model. And the addiction model has to be understood in terms of what I call negative reinforcement. And this really gets then to some of the more subtle or nuanced elements of somatic experiencing versus organic intelligence, which is, you know, I began to see as I was, as I was you know, following Peter around in Europe and learning with him and, and then seeing my own sessions, there were some sessions that were super successful and some that were not. And I, I became really intent to figure out what's the difference, right? Like, like do no harm should be our first, first ethical position. We should not do a session that has people disintegrating. And part of the challenge for those of us that are traveling all over the world and teaching is that you don't see the, the fallout. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was staying, you know, in places like Switzerland and other places. I would see the fallout, mm-hmm. like some sessions that would be done, looked amazing, you know, and Peter would be up there, it's like a magic man, you know, and like if they'd be shaking and they go, wow, this is, this is amazing. Uh, and, and some of those people that really helped them organize and some became radically disorganized. And uh, that, that became an acute quest for me is to figure out how do we keep this process safe and how do we make it so that it's really integrative in the end? And organic intelligence is, is the end of that quest because it was clear to me that what was happening was invoking and evoking what I, what I had learned in uh, clinical psychology uh, and psychology as negative reinforcement. And most people think that negative reinforcement is like spanking or something like that. It's not. Negative reinforcement means that basically it goes back to when, like uh, in the early uh, in the early behavioral period, when like Watson was uh, was working and, and learning from you know the, the conditioning sequences uh, with you know white lab rats and so on. They would they would put excuse me just a they would put rats into cages and they would run a rat into the cage that had like a metal floor and then they would run a subtle electrical current through the floor, that metal metal floor. And it would be slightly aversive. It wouldn't feel good. And then the rats would be moving around uncomfortable and then they would bump into a switch that would turn off the electricity and they go, ah. And then the next time they came in, again, they'd be, they'd be moving around. There'd be this ouch, ouch, ouch on my toes, you know, my little ratty toes. <laughs> and then they'd bump into the switch. But they would, over time, they would a, a bump into the switch faster and faster until finally they would just run in, hit the switch, and the electricity wouldn't even come on. So uh, that's, that means that their behavior was being reinforced. But it's being reinforced by turning off something that feels like it's uncomfortable or too much. But if you think about it, therapy and trauma therapy in particular has people, and and especially like prolonged exposure, has people focus on the 
the sensations of trauma, the emotions of trauma, the memory of trauma, the states of trauma, the states of feeling uncomfortable, the states of what's wrong, and they feel uncomfortable. Right. Until they find some way to turn it off, either by discharge, which is what somatic experiencing proposed, the discharge, the shaking experience, or crying, or to like get some understanding, some empathy, or some cognitive frame or context context about, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, yeah, now I understand because it was the way that I was treated by family of origin. Or right, they will get something, or they'll just walk out of the therapy session and feel better, right? <laughs> but what that does is, that it feels better after it felt worse first, but that's negative reinforcement. Right. And what that reinforces is this really terrible uh, frame, which is which says the way to feel better is by feeling worse first. Mm. Oh, and that's kind of funny. Well, I'm glad you're like, there's like, we actually have a cultural on onlay to that, right? Like no pain, no gain, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like... Par- it totally glorifies that, right? Right. And, and the way to feel better is by feeling worse first. And that's negative reinforcement. Yeah. And so on the other hand, what, what organic intelligence does is uses a shaping paradigm with purely, very nearly purely positive reinforcement. And people don't realize that this is possible to work with trauma in this, uh, in this positive reinforcement frame because they are working in systems that are like phase one chaos or they're trying to superimpose structure and order and feeling better on a system, which makes them feel better for a while, but it's already after they felt worse first. Right. Right. So they're just reinforcing, oh, just, just feel worse first and then you feel better. And that's the addictive frame. That is a person, say, who is in early recovery and then they're having a craving, they feel uncomfortable and they think, oh, no, I've got to, I've got to, you know, you know, I've got to call my sponsor. Or I've got to think about, you know, my resources or something. And then I've, I've got to not use. And then the tension of that will rise and it may rise to the point where they may relapse and use again, which means the conflict over am I going to use or not is resolved and they feel better. Right. Right after they felt worse. And and although, you know, they they may feel better, they've just reinforced that addictive pattern, which will take them back into feeling worse again before they feel better again. Mm. And that's really the, the sort of the terrible pattern of this, which is also, again, the pattern of trauma therapy and the, and the pattern of often of therapy in general, uh, positive psychology notwithstanding, uh, that is, okay, we're going to look at what's wrong and we're going we're gonna to hang with that until it feels better. Uh, but that just reinforces the necessity to try to do something more about what's wrong. And that keeps the focus on what's wrong and that keeps the person stuck in their stage of, uh, of disorganization. So like and again, I, intelligence is doing this different thing, which is creating the conditions of greater organization, not by going to what's better, but by going to what's neutral, like their fridge or, you know, the, the orientation of connecting to the environment through the senses. So I'm feeling like, okay, so when I did the program, I was also getting my master's. So I wasn't even working with clients yet. So I feel kind of like I'm I'm not the regular um, therapist out in the world who has experienced what it's like to go into working with trauma. And I work, you know, with high trauma right now. I mean, interns have, I mean, it's crazy. So, So it's really interesting because what you're speaking to, that's all I've really ever known. Cause I fortunately had your teachings 
to bring with me as I started working with clients. And then I also was fortunate enough to have the demo with you, which I've actually felt, which I wanted to ask you about because I've never actually got to ask you what this was about. But um, I've gotten the experiential feeling of what with my own trauma that was unresolved and me being in constant, I would say, flight. I'm, I'm a flight person. I know that my system does it all, but I like definitely preference flight and I'm really good at it. And after the demo, um, I felt my system like literally like changing. Like I would notice my thoughts for like six months after it was crazy. I mean, I was like, I I glorified you for a hot second. I was like, Steve is like, (laughs) I was like, ah, Steve. Um, because like my system, I could, I could watch myself be in a situation where I, I was very used to thinking a certain way and yet I was thinking differently and I could observe it with my mindfulness and like so everything was shifting for like six months after and so like after a single session right after I had two I had two with you we did back to back because my first one was so amazing but then I had um went home and I had some like uh like flashbacks of things. And so you talked to me on another demo, um, the next very next day. And then after that, like, I'm not joking, something shifted, like my ability to be in the world, my ability to take on things and actually be more present. Um, my want to not, I mean, I still have a tendency of wanting to run away, but I don't run away. Um, it's really, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been awesome. And I'm way more, I've always been positively super bypassed. Like I'm positive, but I was totally bypassing. And like, I actually like have, um, a sense of like being positive, like in this more embodied way with, which is really interesting. So like my, my thing is, is like, I've only worked in the world as an intern with this knowledge, but what I can say is the safety that is created in the container with this theory and teaching that you're doing is, is just what, what unfolds in the client's own time after it being set up in this way. It does just nicely kind of oscillate back and forth and it's never too much for me or the client, which I think is kind of interesting because that's not how I experienced my own therapy um, prior to this method. So some, something about that and then something about, and I'm trying to unpack and discern between is like a lot of people think like nervous system work is very separate from the psyche. Um, but I am like having a really difficult time actually discerning between like when, like say extreme PTSD or when a nervous system is in such trauma, even, even being able to like identify if there's what the, what the elements to, um, because I have to diagnose, right. Cause I'm in the world of like, uh, have, having to do that. Right. I work with medical and, um, but I'm having a problem differentiating once you, understand where the nervous system is in a client um the difference between the nervous system and the psyche like um and how I'm so glad that you have that problem um because there there is no difference (laughs) right but you know we don't we don't have a nervous system we are a nervous system 
like my nervous system is talking to you right now, you know, and, and my psyche is talking to you right now. And part of that, a small part of that is conscious and most of it is not. And what, what we do in organic intelligence is that we learn the language of that non-conscious uh, psyche, organic intelligence or, you know, the unconscious or, or whatever, but it's all operating through the person. And, and so, you know, in, uh, what you learned with me in part was, oh, one other thing that I wanted to say is, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, sort of glorifying me, and, and thank you for that. And, <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, it wasn't me that was the major change agent. All I, all I have is the understanding that your system is going to organize itself. I don't know how it's going to do that. You don't know how it's going to do that. But what I know is it's going to. And, and all I do is watch for how your system is wanting to do that and say, hey, let's, let's experience what's happening right. right in that area. But it's actually your system that's doing it. So, you know, there is, there is uh, glory uh, all around, but it's mostly <laughs> for the creation of our system and for your own, you know, sort of system. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, I was just like, I mean, it... it it just felt like magic. It really did. Um, and you were the first person I've ever worked with that I had like a relief, um, from some of my stuff. So, um, and I just couldn't believe like one session. I I don't know if you remember, but I was almost going (laughs) to, I was almost going to walk out. It was the very first, um, week of the very first time. And like, everybody's like talking about red and blue and people who are listening, red and blue is like, representing good or bad basically and we were supposed to be able to like do this walk and talk where we were supposed to um kind of try to stay in the blue and (laughs) and I couldn't stay in the blue and the person that I paired up with was just like wow you can't stay in the blue and then we came back and shared and everybody was like oh my god that was just so amazing (laughs) and I was just like what the fuck is wrong with you people this is horrifying (laughs) and Yes, which is actually more usual. That response is much more normal in a way these days. But not, but not what happened today. I might add, like, like yeah, you're saying okay, I'm kind of jacked up about reading this stuff, and then you're like, oh, and look at all these beautiful paintings around here. And you just couldn't resist going, oh, look at these gorgeous around. Look how pretty those are. You know, times have changed uh, in coleology. I'll tell you what. Well, and on top of that, like that's what I'm saying. Like before, I wouldn't have even. I would have not done the podcast because I wouldn't have wanted to read an introduction because I would have been too like embarrassed about what people might say if I stumbled over my words or like what that means to my like ability to read or be like perceived in a way that like my ego wants to be perceived or like whatever, you know, like all of that stuff that would have like dictated me not doing something that I feel very called to do. And now I'm just like, yeah, it's an issue. It stimulates me. I don't really love it, but I'll do it and it will be done. And then we'll move forward and do the other stuff. Right. Like, and I'm not joking. I wouldn't, I, I used to avoid run away from like having to read out loud because it was just like not a good experience my whole life. So, I mean, even that, like I, I, like I accredit that to the, the session. I mean, it's kind of crazy. All the areas 
that have been affected over, and I've of course continuously have been doing my own work. Um, I work with Seiji Ono. So like, I mean, I've done more than just your sessions, but your, your sessions, those two sessions were pivotal in some type of shift. And I don't know, like, I don't know exactly still, even though I've been through your three-year training and I feel like I have a lot of tools and I feel like I'm bringing them forward in my work with my clients and then also my, like being a mom, but I still am not sure exactly what, I mean, it needs to be like a 10 year training or like, I'm not sure still yet what exactly is going on. And I don't know, maybe you can speak to that too, because like, it just feels like it's so vast. Um, and there's like a lot there to like, digest. And I think there, it's something about having to digest your own stuff before you can go and, um, learn the next chunk you're teaching, or maybe, maybe you can speak to that a little. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I, several things that I, I'd want to reflect on, uh, several important things that you touched on. It's, it's super frustrating for people. Uh, and, you know, I created the human empowerment resiliency training exactly for this reason that, that it's super frustrating for people of goodwill to feel like, ah, I, I feel like I'm here to make this contribution, but I'm blocked. I'm stopped. I can't, I can't express who I really am in the world because of these things. And so to get those out of the way, uh, is pretty. It's a pretty classic um, result of of training with me. A bunch of my people. I mean, you had Twig on. A bunch of people that, yeah. that have trained with me are going on to be teachers and really taking their place in sharing goodness with the world, like like you're doing here. So uh, that's really important to me, and that's that's part of the mission. One of the main parts of the mission of organic intelligence is to get people of goodwill back into the game uh, because the world needs you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really big thing, and, and I'm I'm super jazzed in this instance that that you're thriving so so radically. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, thank you. And so the um, let's see. I think the other thing to speak to is that it is a complex process. And and again, the part of the reason that I uh, really uh, exited uh, from my prior position into organic intelligence was because we need to frame the way we work, not in a linear way, but in a nonlinear way. So I use this three-phase system, which comes out of complexity science, which looks at nonlinearity. The biology is not simple. And so we can't use a simple linear process. This, uh, this Yale mathematician who created the term fractal, Benoit Mandelbrot, said, uh, wrote this paper and he said um, that uh, the, the title of the paper is How Long is the Coastline of Great Britain? How Long is the Coastline of Great Britain? Which was, that was a peer-reviewed journal that this Yale mathematician wrote this article in with that title. Well, you know, everybody who's reading that going, what? <laughs> Man, Dr. Mandelbrot is asking how long is the coastline of Great Britain? What's up with that? You know, everybody knows. And, and so as it turns out, the coastline of Great Britain is about 11,000 miles long, if you measure in miles. But if you measure in yards, it's much longer. And if you measure like in feet, much larger in inches, huge. It, and what he showed mathematically was the smaller the unit of measure that you use, then the, the more that the answer to that question, how long is it, approaches infinity. Mm. And, and 
he was challenging people. He was saying, he was challenging the basic, you know, Euclidean geometry of the time. He's saying, if you want to, like, figure out, like, how many gallons of gas you need to sail around the coastline of Great Britain, then, yeah, it's 11,000 miles. But if you want to know about the nature of the coastline of Great Britain, don't ask that question in a linear fashion. Because nature is not linear. He said, if you want to know about the nature of nature, then you have to think about it in nonlinear terms and in terms that he began to call fractal. Mm -hmm. Fractal meaning the way that nature does self-similarity, does forms, and then repeats similar forms over and over again. So if you look at the coastline, any coastline, you'll see patterns and basic patterns that are repeated along every coastline, like like a river and its tributaries, or like a, a tree and its branches, or the mm-hmm. leaf and the branching of the veins. There are all these forms that are reiterated. But what he said that's so important for us is, if you want to know about the nature of nature, you have to use a nonlinear frame. And so organic intelligence uses this systems frame that is nonlinear. So it's very complex in some ways, but I, but I break it down step-by-step fashion so that people can get it over time. And that nonlinear frame is different than the, the dynamic frame that, that SE came out of, for instance, that came out through, uh, basically, it's a, it's a Dick Olney approach. Uh, Dick Olney's uh, website is alive and real, uh, which, which was a shock to me when I when I read that or when I read Dr. Austin, it's like, hey, wait a minute, there's SE before SE. Mm. Now, why is this not being spoken of? And so, uh, and so the linear frame, uh, for instance, from Olney, Olney brought in uh, uh, bioenergetics and Alexander Lowen, where they use discharge methods. Right. So they use high intensity, relatively high intensity, and then shaking, and it's still used, right? There's still yeah. trauma release exercises and so on that use, use discharge. And that's, that's from the, the tradition of psychodynamic psychology, right out of Freud and, and then and, and, uh, Lowen's tra- trajectory out of Reich, which is also Levine's. But it would be where there is this intensity and there's too much intensity that then needs to be discharged. So we're basically where this kind of uh, pressure cooker and when it becomes too highly pressured, we feel uncomfortable and the solution is right. release valve. And that release then is then the, the opposite of the charge. So there's charge and then discharge. That's linear. It goes one way and then it goes the other way. But uh, organic intelligence says it's much more complex than that and that we have to actually understand the different phases, the phase from chaos, complex, and, uh, and then coherent. We have to understand the phases. We have to see those phases shift. We have to know how to work in a system in each of those phases because they're all different. You have to do different things in the in the phase of chaos than you do in complexity. And you have to do different things in complexity than you have to do in coherence. And so part of the reason organic intelligence and my approach is so successful is that it, it monitors and and treats the person in the attuned fashion based on these complex phases. Right. And that's, that's and that's that makes a huge difference. Lastly, then uh, Coley, there is um, there is <laughs> basic training, the heart training, what basically what you got, except that in the organic intelligence approach, there's what what you uh, have taken upon yourself, which is uh, doing uh, mindfulness and meditation approach. So mindfulness and meditation is fully integrated in this approach because we have to learn 
about the mind, basically. And mm-hmm. Learn about attention and it going toward red and so on. But the, uh, then, then the next step is for people who have trained somatically or are trained really to, to track and see the body uh, and the physiology, uh, then we can refine that through the OI Expert course. And the OI Expert course is the seven master classes that then take you from uh, phase one to phase two and then consolidation from and the movement of phase two into then working when the system becomes self-organizing. And then once it becomes self-organizing, then there's a whole other set of work. And then the classes uh, in that that are about that self-organizing phase are like multiple trauma vortex. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first 30 seconds in which you see in the first 30 seconds the psyche representing in its projective process the way the complex is working, the complex du jour. You're looking at the love and lineage class, which is multiple, which is the intergenerational trauma. And then there is uh, the the last class, which is like fractal mind and the free association conversation. You know, you're, we're using this free association conversation because the system has to be responding naturally rather than doing what the therapist says. We need to work with the native system rather than manipulating it, right? And so uh, all of those in the OI expert uh, masterclass series is is really appropriate for people that then want to take a next step. And it doesn't take, I mean, it, it takes a while, but, you know, that class itself, you can probably work through that in a year. Uh, it's a bunch of courses, and then there are opportunities for question and answer with me live and online, streamed around the world. Every, every month we're meeting here in the family room. You're welcome to come down to the family room and uh, <laughs> join me here in the stadium. But, yeah, so uh, that would be a next step, that OI expert. Uh, courses is available. Yeah, I need a. I need to see. You, do you know I'm starting my PhD? I start actually um, this next month, October. Oh my! Well, uh, <laughs> uh, think about an independent study then, and uh, make it uh, OI expert. No, I'm 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 definitely interested. Like it's been on it's on my to do list, but. Um, and it's kind of a high, pri- it's actually a high priority too, because I just have learned so, so much from you, but it's, you know, I'm a single mom working in a nonprofit, so it's just going to take some time. Right. It will take yeah. some time. And yeah. yeah. And then, um, you want to know what else is a joke between every, almost every therapy ses- session with Seiji. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned the first 30 seconds and I always said how brilliant that was because I would love to know more about that. I'm sure you unpack it in a way, but ever since you had mentioned that, I take the first like minute of meeting someone super serious because it does, it sets up a whole entire frame that you're going to be working with, um, in the whole hour. And, but it's funny, like I go into my own session and of course I'm not noticing what I'm saying the first 30 seconds. And so He'll always bring it back and be like, "Oh, that's Steve guy," and he'll put his hands, <laughs> he'll put his hands behind his head and cross and cross his leg, <laughs> and then he'll he'll mention at, yes, yes, and he'll mention at the end what the first thirty seconds was and how it like yeah. unfolded the whole entire session, and we're always just like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> So good. That is so good. So good. And it's amazing. But that's that's the fractal piece, that when a system becomes self-organizing, then it becomes regular and periodic, and it becomes rhythmic, 
And then those fractal just means what happens in that early time, it happens over and over and over and over again. And just, but just in like different contexts. Right. It's, you know, like, um, I was working with a person recently who had been in an uh, earthquake in San Francisco. And, uh, and the, the implicit exposure model is really key here because as you're building, like you're building the stabilization through orientation, through trending the attention to more pleasurable feelings like right, the job is enjoyment. And, and when the attention then is able to be neutral and hang out with what's pleasant as well and as easily as what's unpleasant, then the system can begin that self-organizing phase three process. And then you don't, you're not working trauma, you're, you're working whatever comes up because those, those arousal cycles are showing up implicitly. Right? And so I was working with a person, they had, they had mentioned that they were in this earthquake. And then they talked about uh, being in this school in, the, in Berkeley. And they're in school and then mentioned, oh, I, I'm living out, I was living out in Pleasanton, right, which you know. Um, yes. and, and then in Pleasanton, I had this great house and I was there with my daughter and it was so cool. And then, you know, it was, you know, and I loved it. I, I loved it because also it was close to the train tracks. And it's close to the train tracks, and then the, the train would go by, and the whole house would just rumble, you know? <laughs> and she was so enjoying that. It's like, oh, just take time to really just enjoy that to that feeling, like, you know, the train going by and that rumbling. But you hear what that is, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the Exactly. Earth. <laughs> that's, that's the earthquake experience, but in this very positive frame. Yeah. Right? So it's the same underlying experience. But what is given and it's presented in a context that makes it so easy and even enjoyable. And that's the implicit exposure model that I was talking about that, that you, you read in your, uh, in your early bio area. <laughs> so that implicit exposure model means to me that it is becoming clear that I, it's probably, it's, it's, let's just say it's ethically questionable at this point to use trauma as a focus for work or traumatic sensations mm-hmm. or focus on traumatic emotions and mm-hmm. so on. There is a better way, there's a more ethical way, there's a more humane way mm. and a more integrating way. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get across to therapy and uh, SEN to trauma therapy. Yeah. I love what you're doing. I'm like so grateful that somehow this ended up, it, ju- it just ended up being the right thing at the right time. And it, I think that the work that I'm doing in the world without this frame of reference. I don't know. I, I'm just being really honest. I don't know if I could have sat with this work um, without this frame because this frame makes it digestible for for my clients and then for me and like with my own trauma and then my own predicaments, like the sessions are integratable and the alliance feels some kind of way and it just doesn't feel overwhelming for me. Like, I mean, and I think that that's another thing. Like I'm doing, I'm doing this work and, um, people who are also doing this work are like, well, don't you feel overwhelmed or don't you feel, cause like there's a lot of burnout, um, with our work and, yeah. and, yes. I'm, and, and, and burnout in communities that are trying to do good in the world. Too. Yes. We need, yes. We need the activists. We need the people that yes. are socially conscious. We yeah. need the therapists. We need the healers. Yes. We need back in the game full time. And so yes. we make this sustainable impulse 
just like you're doing. Yeah, and I and I really believe that the reason why I don't feel burned out and I can come home and I can make dinner and have fun with my son and it's because because of this model. So, thank you. I mean, that's just been hugely um it like I have two people that I really look toward with what I've learned and you and Ray Greenleaf from my JFK program are just two people that I constantly like refer back to with um, the way I am in the world as a healer. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I, I couldn't be happier, you know, for you, for the lives that you touch and, you know, for, for our whole situation here. I'm, I'm just delighted to be a partner with you in the whole process. Yeah. And thank you for taking the time to be on my podcast. This was really cool. Yeah, we'll keep on rocking it. Thank you, and I can't wait to hear yours, and I will post this in the next um, couple days and send you the link, and I'll make sure everybody has all of your information that you would like me to share about you, and I am so grateful. Everybody who's listening, please like Coleology, follow me on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and thank you so much for your continued support, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. And uh, if you don't mind, just remind people the jadavideo.com is the easiest access, and our website is Organic Intelligence. And I will also um, have those as links. Sweet. Okay. Thank so you. nice to connect. So nice. So nice. Thank you. <laughs>